Good evening. Thank you for being here tonight. Appreciate that shout out from Brother Bill, as always. It's good to hear him. We appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you for coming back. First day of the month, first day of the year. And we want to start this year in a great way and do everything that we can to make 2023 the best ever. And so if you are looking for a church home and you're visiting with us tonight, we'd love to have you come. Be a part of the work here. would encourage us to have you join hands with us. And we would love to have the opportunity to get to know you and to work and to serve with you. It's good to see all the young folks that are sitting down front. And we appreciate them. I guess school's starting back in the next day or two. And so hope and pray that the new year is a good one by way of school. We're looking tonight at Exodus chapter 19. The theme of our study tonight, what it takes to get to the promised land. In Exodus chapter 19, we have a record of God entering into a covenant relationship with His people. God, as you know, had delivered the children of Israel out of bondage. And they were bound for the promised land. That was the goal, that land flowing with milk and honey. And that really served as a type to those of us today who are bound for another promised land. That would be heaven. Our goal is heaven. And if we miss heaven, then we miss everything. In our lesson this morning, we talked a little bit about laying up treasure in heaven. It would be a shame for anyone to miss going to heaven. When you think about all the things that we enjoy in this life, and there are a lot of blessings and a lot of great things that accompany us as we make this journey through life. The relationships that we build, places that we visit, opportunities that come before us. But to know that one day, this life will end. And so what lies ahead? Well, hopefully and prayerfully, heaven. Paul would say in Titus chapter 1 at verse 2, that those of us who belong to God, that we live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. Paul would write in Philippians chapter 3 that our citizenship, our commonwealth, is in heaven. And so we are bound for the promised land. So what's it going to take for us to get there? It's my conviction, it's my belief that the very same traits that were before the children of Israel in obtaining that land flowing with milk and honey are the same traits or characteristics needed today for us to obtain that heavenly home, that home that Jesus talked about in John chapter 14. So pick up with me if you would in the book of Exodus chapter 19, and I want to begin by looking at verse 3. In verse 3, God, of course, reminds Moses, the leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel, of their liberation from bondage. And by the way, I might point out that their bondage in Egypt was a type of the bondage that people experience today in what we call sin. And the only way to be liberated from sin is through Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 8. At verse 32, he said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. In verse 34, he talked about those who lived a life of sin. He said they have literally become the bondservants of sin. But then in verse 36, he would say, but if the Son makes you free, he said, you're free indeed. Now, all of that made possible 
by God's matchless, marvelous grace. It was Paul who said that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to every man. And so liberation. So here's what, here's what God said. Moses, of course, went up to God, verse 3, And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. The children of Israel had cried out in bondage. God had seen their labors, well aware of their tears. He heard their cries and He delivered them. And so now look, if you would, at verse number 5. In verse 5, not only does God remind them of their liberation, but we have education. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Let me just pause there for a minute. In chapter 20, we have God giving to the children of Israel what we might call a codified law, the Ten Commandments. Those commands began with their relationship to the God that delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. They were to have no other gods before them. They were not to make any graven image of God. They were to, they were not, well, you go back and you read the record. Look if you would at verse, drop down the note if you would in verse 7. They were not to take the name of the Lord God in vain. They were to keep the Sabbath day. God instituted the Sabbath. They were to honor their father and mother and so on. But God gave them a law. The intent of that law was to regulate their behavior. So in light of that, listen to what God said. He said, I want you to obey my voice and keep my covenant. And then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. And he said, you'll be to me a kingdom, a priest, and a holy nation. Now we talk about types in the Old Testament. Here again is a type of the relationship that they enjoyed with God, but later corresponding to the relationship that we enjoy with Almighty God. Look again at what he says. He said, you will be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you'll be to me a kingdom, a priest, and a holy nation. Do you remember, for example, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter would tell us, you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, whom He has called forth out of darkness into His marvelous light. In Revelation chapter 1, John there writes of Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. And then he went on to say, the ruler over the kings of the earth, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And then listen to what he said. And has made us to be a kingdom and priest. So we are blessed to be a part of a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. The nation of Israel was God's chosen people. God's chosen people today, the church, the body of Christ. That is, the kingdom of Almighty God. It is an immovable kingdom, as the Hebrew writer would say. It is an eternal kingdom, 
as Daniel said in the long ago in chapter 2 at verse 44. And priests offer sacrifices, as Peter would say in chapter 2 at verse 5, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so we offer up spiritual sacrifices unto Almighty God. Now note if you would, in the third place, I mentioned the fact that God's law, God's covenant was binding upon them. They enjoyed a covenant relationship with Him. That covenant was conditional. They had to be obedient to His law, didn't they? And so there were regulations imposed upon them. Now look at verse 7. Well, look at verse 6 again. He said, These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded now note verse 8. What was the expectation then by God? Well, the expectation was that they would be compliant to His law, that they would bask in the blessings and favors that He had so richly bestowed on them, that they would live according to His covenant, according to His precepts, and ultimately gain that land flowing with milk and honey. And so after... Moses rehearsed these words to them. Here's what they said, verse 8. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So the children of Israel affirmed before God that they were willing to do exactly what He had outlined. So that being said, now I want to, what I want to do now is talk about four characteristics that I believe are essential to ultimately enjoying that promised land. Those characteristics, true in the days of Moses, same today. Number one, in order for us to make it to the promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey, as we would say it, to get to heaven. Number one, we need confidence in Almighty God. That is, we need faith in the Lord. The children of Israel, if they were going to be successful, in their journey to the promised land, and God gave them a land so that they might settle in it, and it would be in that land that the promised Messiah would ultimately make His entrance into the world. That became the cradle for the nation of Israel. And so it would take tremendous faith on their part to get to that land flowing with milk and honey. That would require them to walk in harmony with the Word of God, wouldn't it? Now we talk about faith. I want you to turn with me, if you would, very quickly over to the book of, look at Numbers chapters 13 and 14 for a moment. When we talk about confidence or faith in Almighty God, God had already demonstrated His great power in liberating them from Egyptian bondage. He had provided for their every need. You think about all the provisions that they had enjoyed up to this point in time. And so the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 13 that spies were sent out to survey the land of promise. Now, God had already said, I'm going to give you this land. That land was something that they were to enjoy. They were to be beneficiaries of. So after they went out and surveyed the land, 12 spies went out and surveyed what they saw. And you remember the text tells us, drop down if you would, in verse 25 the Bible says that they returned after spying out the land for 40 days. 
They come back, and the Bible tells us that they brought a cluster of grapes. Now note, if you would, what is said down in verse 27. We went to the land where you sent us. Truly, it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, God had promised them this land. God had met every need that they had up to that point in time, hadn't He? It took faith for them to get to where they were at that point in time in history. It would take faith on their part to reach the promised land. And God said, look, I'm giving you the land. I've sent these men out. They've surveyed the land. They've come back. Here's what they've seen. So it would take not just confidence in God, but they're going to have to have courage, aren't they? Weren't they going to have to have courage that God would stand beside them and bring them into that land of milk and honey? So note again what the text says in verse 28. They said, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. They're scared, aren't they? Ten of the spies lack courage in God and His provisions. Look at verse 30. Caleb quieted the people. And Caleb said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Look at verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him they said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Then we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. I said that it would take confidence in God. Courage before God was necessary, wasn't it? What about us today? We want to get to the promised land. We want to go to heaven. We have to have absolute faith in Almighty God that He will bring us home safely. We live in a world that's filled with lots of problems, lots of trials, lots of tribulations, temptations. It takes a lot of courage in this day and time, particularly in a world that has become increasingly hostile toward those of us who belong to the family of God. We have to have courage. We've got to be willing to stand in the face of pressure, don't we? And sometimes it might seem to us that the forces of evil are winning. It might seem as if our cause is being diminished day by day. But to remember, as Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? To remember that men like Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, you remember those guys? The courage that they demonstrated before what we would say to be a hostile Sanhedrin council demanding that they recant, back up, and not preach or teach in the name of Christ. And what'd they do? They wouldn't back up, would they? Wouldn't back down. And so it takes a lot of courage to live the Christian life. I think about the words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, when he said, Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
Anybody that's ever been on the battlefield will tell you it takes a lot of courage to get home. And I would imagine that there are a lot of people that spent time on the battlefield that wondered if they would get home. But we can make it with the help of God, can't we? Now, there is a third important characteristic. Before I move on from that, drop down if you would, I'm, since we're in numbers, drop down and look if you would at what Joshua said and Caleb in chapter 14. The text says in verse 7, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Now look at verse 8. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Now listen, that's confidence in God, isn't it? And not only confidence, but that's courage. Courage that says, we can do it. We can instead of, we can't. There are a lot of people in the world today that haven't heard the gospel, and sometimes it's overwhelming to think about 8 billion people, 7 to 8 billion people in this world. Can we reach the gospel? Yes, we can do it. God wouldn't have told us to do it if He didn't believe we could do it. Now, thirdly, it requires carrying on with God. Think back for a moment to the children of Israel. They faced a lot of heartache, a lot of trial. In Numbers chapter 20, we read about the deaths of Miriam and then Aaron, the great high priest. Not only that, but you remember the Bible tells us that Moses sinned at Kadesh. And because of his sin, he was prohibited from entering the promised land. Now, he got to see it later, but he didn't get to go into that land flowing with milk and honey. The reason I want to make this point is that in this world you have people that are stepping out into eternity day by day, members of the body of Christ. Some have been very strong. Some have been tremendous leaders in the body of Christ. And yet when a void occurs, when death occurs, think about the people that we've lost over the course of this past year. We've lost some good people. Over the past three years, we have lost a number of very good people. But the work carries on, doesn't it? Look, for example, at Joshua chapter 1. I want you to see something in connection with this. We talk about carrying on the work. And I mentioned that Moses was prohibited by God from entering the promised land. Wanted to, wanted to go badly. And so in the latter part of the book of Deuteronomy, we read about the death of Moses. In Joshua chapter 1, here's what God said in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your feet or foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. Look at verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So here is the death of one of the preeminent leaders in the nation of Israel, Moses. And some would say, who in the world could have ever taken his place? But God had a man in place, ready to rise up and take the reins. 
that man was Joshua. And Joshua became a great leader, a great general. We talk about courage. I talked about the importance of having courage as we make our way to the promised land. Look at what God said in verse 6 to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The work here, just like every other work in our brotherhood, is incredibly important to God. And there are always people coming and going. We live in a transitory world, don't we? People move in, people move out. People are born into the world and people leave this world via death. But God's Word carries on. And the goal of every Christian is ultimately to go to heaven. And so we all have, we all have a place to serve in the kingdom. We all have something that we can contribute to carry on the work of God in this community, in this congregation. You have a part, I have a part. Hopefully and prayerfully we fulfill the role that is before us. You know, it takes everybody working together. You think about your body and how important every member in your body is. Well, by the same token, every member in the body of Christ is essential for the growth of the church. Now, there is a fourth thing I want to share with you. What's it take to get to the promised land? Well, number one, it takes confidence in Almighty God. Number two, it takes a lot of courage. Number three, we have to have that carry-on mentality, come what may. I mentioned a moment ago Moses and Joshua taking his place. What about the Apostle Paul? When Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is basically saying farewell to Timothy and to those he loved in the first century. Do you think that there were those in the first century that wondered, what will we do? What will we do once Paul's gone? What about when word came to Christians in the first century? And I just imagine the word on the street, Paul is dead, Paul's gone to be with the Lord. You think people wondered? How are we ever going to carry on? Paul had his Timothy, didn't he? And Paul left him to carry on preaching and teaching the gospel. So we've got to carry on. But then there's a fourth very important point. That is commitment, consecration to God. Listen, the only way the children of Israel would ever make the promised land was to be consecrated to God. I want you to look with me very quickly at the book of Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, you have, you remember that first generation died in the wilderness. And so the children of Israel, that 
second generation of people are on the verge of entering the promised land. Moses, as I mentioned a moment ago, was prohibited from going into the promised land. Got to see it. And so you have a series of addresses given by Moses to the children of Israel on the plains of Moab. And note, if you would, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we talk about consecration to God, making sure that we get to the promised land, all right? Here's what God said to the children of Israel. They were going to have to be committed or consecrated to His cause. And so look at verse 1. This is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. That you may observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you. You, your son, your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's consecration, isn't it? Encouraging the people, the children, stay true to Almighty God. And he said, you shall... He said, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You'll bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So you have here Moses talking about future generations, the perpetuity of the nation. And what would, what would it take to enable them to enjoy the blessings of God. Continue teaching, continue demonstrating faith, consecration. Look at verse 10. It shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, look at verse 12. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now verse 13. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him and shall take oaths in His name. What was, what was it going to take for the children of Israel to make their way safely into the promised land? They're going to have to be consecrated to God, fully committed to His cause. What's it going to take for you, for us, collectively, to get to the promised land, that place we call heaven? Consecration to God. Can't afford to stop. Can't afford to quit. We can't afford to bail out. Do we ever get discouraged? Sure. You think Moses got discouraged? You think Joshua did? You think Paul did? I suspect so. But we've got to maintain our focus to keep our eyes on the Lord. I want to close by sharing with you a passage in the book of Hebrews. Sometimes it's easy to forget what life's all about. And I think sometimes as we live the Christian life and as we run the Christian race, we get discouraged, 
we wonder at times if we'll ever make our way to that promised land. And so look at Hebrews chapter 12. And listen to what the writer said. Therefore we also, verse 1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and he's looking back at those great men and women of faith recorded in chapter 11. Many of those great people of faith faced tremendous adversity. A lot of odds against them, but by faith they continued on. And he said, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Now look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I want to close tonight by saying this. God has promised us a beautiful home. We call it heaven. And Peter said it is a place incorruptible, undefiled. He said it fades not away. And you remember he said it is reserved in heaven for you. God had a land for His children, His nation, the nation of Israel, a land flowing with milk and honey. And we sing that beautiful song from time to time, I'm on my way to Canaan's land. Well, we're truly on our way to Canaan's land, but not a physical land. But we are, we are marching upward toward heaven. Look very quickly, one more verse, and then we'll close. Look at John chapter 14. Look at John 14. I think sometimes it helps to read, to reinforce divine truths. Jesus here is talking to the apostles. He's about to face death on Calvary. And with His impending departure, He knew of their fears, their concerns. And so listen to what He said. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. 2022 is in the books. For some, 2022 was the end of their sojourn here on earth. 2023 might be the end for us. We don't know. But to remember, we're marching to Zion. We're headed home. Visited with a lady yesterday in a rehab. And this lady, a very sweet lady, in her 90s, been battling some very difficult health issues. As I sat on her bed and held her hand and talked to her. She had trouble talking, but we were able to talk a little bit. And she said something about going home. Talked to her son later last night, and he said, 
my mom told me she's ready to go home. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that that's where we're all headed. And hopefully and prayerfully, we're living in such a way so that we, through the eye of faith, can say, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go and be with God. That day's coming. So what's it going to take for us to get to the promised land? The bottom line, we're going to have to stay committed to Almighty God. Soldier on. Be faithful. And to know that one day, we will be in the presence of the Lord. You ever thought about what it will be to stand face to face with Jesus? What will He sound like? What will He look like? We're going to stand in the presence of the Lord one day. The Lord who has made Life for us, bearable, that has made life for us meaningful. To stand before Him and to know that to the best of our ability, we have tried to live for Him, to live to bring honor and glory to Him, and then to hear Him say to us individually, Well done. Won't that be gratifying to hear the Lord say, Well done, good and faithful servant. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. Every week we give the invitation. We do that for a reason. And the reason is because God's interested in the souls of people. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, this is your golden hour. You know, as time goes by, those opportunities lessen. So you have the opportunity tonight to renounce the ways of the world, to turn from the world as it is, to repent of your sins, to confess His name, to be buried with Him in baptism, to rise, to walk in newness of life, to live so that one day you can be with the Lord in heaven. If you're here tonight and you haven't obeyed the gospel, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, I encourage you to do that. To become a part of His body, the body that He promises to save, Ephesians 5.23. If you're here tonight and maybe you need the prayers of the church to help you live the Christian life, it might be that you're discouraged, maybe you're weary from the trials and the troubles that you faced in this life and you just need people praying for you so that you might finish the race and finish well. We encourage you to come as we stand and sing.